we are in the middle of considering as a church, how can we be rooted in Christ? Or as we sang for a little bit, how can we say, I truly surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I give my all to you? Or how can we allow our roots to grow down into Christ? This is what we are considering, and all of it is based on our church-wide life verses for 2022, found in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. These words will appear on the screens. Let's all say this together. Ready? And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. What we are really considering here is a way of life that involves following Jesus and doing the kinds of things that Jesus did. The different practices or disciplines that we are walking through as we continue to think about being rooted in Christ. Here's what they do for us. We practice them. And so far we have talked about the practice of worship and responding to the greatness of God in song, in word, in our times corporately and certainly our time individually as well. We practice this. And we practice the discipline of prayer. We talked about how we can boldly step before the throne of God. And it is there that we find mercy and grace in our time of need. We practice praying. Last week, we talked about the practice of Bible study or opening the Word of God and allowing it to shape and inform us and allowing it to move in us in such a way that we're ready to say, okay, here's what God wants for me. And I do that, even though it may be a really difficult thing. So we practice these things, worship, prayer, and Bible study, and we're going to add a fourth practice to this list today, and we're going to keep thinking about different disciplines and practices. We do this. We practice these things because we can get a little bit better at them. As we invest time, as we engage in them, both individually and corporately, as we practice them, we can get better. And when we do get better at doing them, well, guess what happens? They move into our hearts. They become core to who we are, these different practices. Worship, prayer, Bible study, and so on and so forth, as we keep adding to the list, they get into our hearts. They become core to who we are so that we become an individual who is fully formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And this is why we invest time in thinking about how can we be rooted in Christ. And we practice 
different disciplines, and we seek to get better at them so they take up roots in our hearts, they become core to who we are, so that we become this individual, this apprentice of Jesus, following him fully shaped and formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So practice, then into our hearts, and then formation. Today we're going to add a fourth practice to our list. It's called the practice of single-mindedness. And I will say that this particular practice is not always found in the list of disciplines provided to us by practitioners and scholars who specialize in spiritual practices and disciplines. You don't always find the practice of single-mindedness but it is something that promotes spiritual growth in our lives, and it is something that believers have practiced from biblical times. So we want to think through this because it's really important for us. And again, as we practice single-mindedness, it will move into our hearts if we allow it to, and then spiritually shape and inform us. So here's how we want to approach this today. We're going to start in James chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a device, I would encourage you to find the New Testament book of James. I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 1 that talk about single-mindedness. And then from there, from what we discover in James chapter 1 and the language there, we'll build a definition. So here's what it means to practice single-mindedness. From there, I want to throw out a big idea that will shape the rest of the conversation. And then we're going to look at two different passages, one from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And there's a story about a king who was in trouble, and we'll read about that. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we find the words of Jesus himself. And he's giving the greatest sermon ever given, called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the words of Jesus. And he talks to us about single-mindedness. And from both 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and the story of a king, and then from Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pull two thinking points about the spiritual discipline of single-mindedness. But let's begin in James chapter 1. Join me. I will begin reading with verse 5. And I want you to listen to these words because they set a tone for us as we think about the practice of single-mindedness. Verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, I just want to pause there and say, that should be a whole sermon all by itself, and someday we should come back to this because, oh my, if you need wisdom, apprentices have the ability to ask a very generous God, and he won't withhold that from us. He'll give it to us, and he won't even rebuke us for asking. Like, what are you doing asking for that again? Oh, we can keep doing it. It's beautiful. Let's keep going. Verse 6, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So there is a challenge here to have a single-minded approach when it comes to our belief. 
or to our trust in God. Don't doubt. That's the language here. Verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And then here's verse 8, their loyalty is divided. If you'd like to highlight and underline in your Bible, which I would encourage you to do that, grab this phrase. It's very dynamic in the text. Their loyalty is divided, and we'll come back to that and give some definition. The loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. This phrase in verse 8, their loyalty is divided, comes from the Greek word dipsokos that is found in James chapter 1, verse 8. It's also found again in James chapter 4, verse 8, and it means to be double-souled, as in the soul of who you are, with one soul being moved in the direction of God and who he is, and what he wants for us, and obeying him, and the other part, or the other soul, moving to something else that could potentially take us away from God. It's the picture of a fickle, or a wavering, or a staggering person, double-souled, kind of just all over the place in their spiritual lives and in their movement. And the encouragement from James here is don't do that. Don't be a fickle or a wavering or a staggering person. Instead, practice single-mindedness when it comes to following God. Now, from James chapter 1, I want to provide a definition for this spiritual practice. So here it is. Single-mindedness is living each day yielded to God's direction. It's living each day, not just the majority of days. Like, yeah, I got 20 out of 31. I'm really doing well. No, it's living every day yielded or submitted to God and his direction. Now, as you think about that definition, I want to ask three questions and just allow these to roam about in your mind as you think about single-mindedness or living each day yielded to God's direction. Question number one, what would it actually look like if every day of my life was yielded to God, what might go away in terms of how I function? What might stay? What might I say no to if I'm just submitting to God every day? Question number two, what would happen if I invited God into every aspect of my life? And I had this awareness that he is really with me. I think for followers of Jesus, we love the thought that he is with us. And we hang on to that on rough days or during challenging seasons. But when things are okay, we kind of push God into the closet and we tell him to stay there. And don't roam around into other rooms. Just stay there, Jesus. But what if I really opened up every room in my heart to him and I lived with this awareness that he really is with me? 
And then question number three, what would it look like if I offered myself to God in such a way that Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 became my mantra? And here's what Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says. I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me, and I have been crucified with him. But it's no longer me living, it's Christ living in me. So what if I just lived every day with that as my mantra, that I've been crucified with him, it's no longer me living, but it's Christ living in me. See, I think that's when we really get a hold of this practice of single-mindedness. It moves into our hearts, and then it shapes us into the image of Christ for the sake of others, because It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ living in me. That's the power of single-mindedness. So let's keep talking about this. Here's our big idea. Living each day yielded to God's direction is a wise choice. And I think as we move through our two different passages in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this will hopefully make sense. Living each day yielded or submitted to God This is a really wise choice to make, and all of us who are following the way of Jesus should pursue this. Now, to help us think through this, I have an Old Testament story to share, a rather dramatic story, and then a New Testament passage where Jesus is talking and sharing. From each passage, we want to pull a thinking point that helps us with the practice of single-mindedness. So with your Bible, please join me now in the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to begin with a story. What we find here is a narrative in the history of Israel and Judah. There's a gentleman named Jehoshaphat. He's the ruling authority at this time, and he is surrounded by an army that wants to destroy him and God's people. Things are not looking good for them at all. They're kind of in trouble, and here's what happens. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. It says here, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Right? So he gets word, wow, there's an army around us, and he's terrified, and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one, no one can stand against you. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? Please. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And here comes just a powerful set of words. And here's where we get our first thinking point. We don't know what to do. Here they are. They're about to crush us. And we can't stop them. We don't know what to do. But... We are looking to you, O God, 
the one who has all ability. We're looking to you for help. From 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I want to pull our first thinking point about the spiritual practice of single-mindedness. Here's the thinking point. Living each day yielded or submitted to God's direction involves the prayer, God, I'm looking to you for help. Right? That might seem like a really simple thing to do, but what if we began every single day by saying, God, it's Sunday, May 22nd. It's 900 degrees outside. I don't know what to do, but I need your help today. And, oh, it's Monday. God, here's some things that are happening on this day, and here's some of my plans, and I can see a little bit of what's coming, but I know there are other things that I cannot prepare for. I am looking to you for help. This is the idea of single-mindedness, of giving each day to God and saying, God, I I need a little bit of help here. We may not have enemy armies surrounding us, but we all face different challenges that can crush, discourage, steal hope, and downright make us angry. These things happen to us. And often it's these moments that cause us to just go back to James chapter 1, to stagger to stumble, to have a double soul that's running in all kinds of directions. What we learn from this great ancient king is he had nowhere to go but God. And instead of trying to figure it out on his own, he simply cries out, God, I'm looking to you for help. And he calls the whole nation to act the same way. I believe we see in this ancient king, he's practicing single-mindedness. And it moved into their hearts. And I believe they became people. They became a nation that was shaped into the image of God himself because God began to work. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to officiate a funeral for a family in our church. And they have just suffered back-to-back-to-back loss of life from December until shortly after Mother's Day. This family lost the matriarch of their family after being able to celebrate with her and a couple of other losses before that. And I've been walking through these things with the family. And you get to a point when you meet with people and they walk into your office and they're like, you know, here we are again. And... We need to plan a funeral, and we need your support and your help, and can we host it at the church, and here's what we'd like to see happen, and can you just pray with us? That you look at these individuals who have been deeply suffering for months on end and just can't seem to catch a break, and in my mind, I'm thinking, God, what are you doing to them? Like, they need a little bit of help here. They, they need a break and some hope and some joy in some way or fashion in their lives. How much more can they handle? And I'm the pastor. I'm the one who's supposed to have answers for these things. And I'm like, I don't know exactly what to say to you. 
And then you listen to them begin to talk about, I lost my husband at a really young age, and I lost my aunt, and then I lost my mom. And here's what I'm doing, and here's what I'm telling people. I try to get to church, and I try to look up to Jesus. I have people speaking truth into my life, and I'm experiencing grief share with others walking through some of the same things, and I'm crying out to God. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me as I thought about yesterday and prepared for today that this is a family in their own unique ways. They're practicing the spiritual discipline of single-mindedness and saying, God, here we are again. Here is another loss. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. And I think they're serving as a great reminder to everyone around them and indeed even our church, of what it looks like to just come before God and say this. And when we begin to practice this and say, God, here I am, don't know what to do. I'm at a loss, but I'm asking for your help. When we do this, even when we're not being crushed in some way, we're practicing single-mindedness. And it will move into our heart. And we will become an individual spiritually formed into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. That's one thinking point from the Old Testament about this spiritual practice. Now, I'm not going to go on and read the rest of the story about what happened to King Jehoshaphat, but I would encourage you to continue reading in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And in the chapters after that, you will discover that God answers their prayers. God comes through for them, and it is a miraculous and joy-filled narrative. You should dive into it and allow what happens there to cause you to think about coming before God in a regular way, saying, I don't know what to do. I'm asking for your help. Okay, that's the Old Testament. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament, and what we find in chapter 6 is that Jesus is giving the greatest message ever shared, the greatest talk, the greatest sermon, of course, by Jesus, and he says all kinds of things. In this particular section, he's talking about money and possessions, and how we get really consumed with worrying about those things and wondering, am I going to have enough? Is there going to be enough for me today and tomorrow? And Jesus just kind of pushes on that a little bit. And from this particular sermon that Jesus shared, I think there is another point that we can pull about the spiritual practice of single-mindedness. So listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? My goodness, what will we wear? Well, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then we have verse 33 here. And here's where we get this thinking point about single-mindedness. Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
Start there. Oh, and live righteously. And guess what? God will give you everything that you need. Verse 33 gives us a great perspective on how to practice single-mindedness. Here it is. Living each day yielded to God's direction involves, straight out of verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Have a single focus on doing that. This word seek comes from the Greek word zeteo, and it means to desire. So we could say, if you want to have a single-minded focus, if you want to practice this and allow it to move into your heart so that you're spiritually shaped into the image of Jesus, desire the kingdom of God above everything. Desire that. Oh, and live righteously. And God will give you everything that you need. From the words of Jesus... Single-mindedness looks like desire that over everything else. So two thinking points, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament about single-mindedness. Living each day yielded to God's direction involves the prayer, God, I'm looking to you for help. And living each day yielded to God's direction involves seeking or desiring the kingdom of God above all else and living righteously. So what would it look like if we just started our days with these kinds of messages to God himself? Like, what would that look like? Well, I think it would be amazing. And it would help us to begin practicing single-mindedness, which then would move it into our heart, which will, in time, shape us into the image of God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ, for the sake of others. And when that happens... Well, we are practicing the spiritual discipline of single-mindedness. No big deal, right? I'll just add that to the list of everything else I'm supposed to be doing, like worship and prayer and Bible study and drinking whatever amount of water we're supposed to drink every day and taking 30 minutes to talk to every single family member in my home and also resting and exercising and Whatever else we're supposed to be doing with every single day where it seems like we're just running out of time, let me add to that, yeah, worship, prayer, Bible study, and now single-mindedness. It just seems exhausting when we talk about, let's just keep adding things to all the stuff you're supposed to be doing that's important and valuable. So a quick thought. We all have multiple roles and responsibilities that we fill. Don't we? It's different based on our stage of life. From being a student to a parent or a grandparent to being a worker to being a coach or a mentor or whatever else that you have added to your life, we all have these roles and responsibilities. And in a culture filled with activity, Right? Go and do and accomplish, and we like this. How are we supposed to practice single-mindedness? Like, desire the kingdom of God above all of that stuff. How are we supposed to practice spiritual um, single-mindedness? It, it seems like a great idea, but 
It's not very realistic when we have to spin plates and wear multiple hats, right? This is true for all of us. Well, Madeline Blair, writing for Psychologist Today, actually spoke about this very thing and all the different roles and responsibilities that we all have and how we manage all of this. And she talked about how in each one of these roles, parent, worker, mentor, friend, son, daughter, whatever the case might be, in each of these roles, we likely have some goals, maybe some long-term goals, short-term goals, some conscious goals, some even unarticulated goals that aren't written down but we hope to see happen. And of course, we want to do all these things well, don't we? We want to be a great parent. We want to be a great worker, a great grandparent, great coach, great mentor. We want to do all of these things well. So how do we practice spiritual mindedness when it comes to trying to do all of the important things in life that have to be done? Well, I believe we approach it this way. It's the big idea. Living each day yielded to God's direction is a great choice to make. And then from there, from that posture, from that position before our great Savior, living yielded and submitted to Him, now we become that great worker, that parent, that child, that grandparent, that coach, or that mentor. When we yield to God and His direction for us, everything flows from that, and it moves into our heart, and we become this spiritually shaped person into the image of Christ. So single-mindedness is a key practice because so much of what God wants for us flows from this, giving each day and yielding and submitting to him. That takes us into our takeaways. I have three. Hopefully, they help bring this into something that we can all begin doing today. So here's takeaway number one. I would encourage you to lift up. I am looking to you for help regularly. And maybe this is just a memorized prayer that you begin your day with or at some point throughout the day when there is pressure or challenges that you offer this up as your commitment to God. I'm looking to you for help and you can certainly add more to it than that. But this prayer I believe, can start a beautiful journey of practicing single-mindedness and just focusing on what God can do for us. That's number one. Here's number two. Memorize Matthew 6, 33, which says, Seek, and that's that word desire, the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. If you haven't chosen a life verse for 2022 yet, Maybe this is your verse. It's a great verse. And if you don't have one yet, claim it. Write it on the back wall on the tree there so we can all celebrate together and think about how we want to pursue. We want to desire the kingdom of God above everything else. This is another prayer that you can kind of put with that I'm looking to you, God, for help from King Jehoshaphat. You can kind of take the words of Matthew 6.33 and say, okay, here I am, God, I'm going to desire your kingdom above everything today. Help me to do that. 
and help the rest of my responsibilities to flow from that desire. And then takeaway number three, as the week concludes, I would encourage everybody here to walk through this spiritual exercise. Just take 20 minutes, maybe 10, if you can get it done that fast, and answer the following questions. Number one, in what ways did I yield myself to God's direction this week? And what would it look like if you actually identified those things? Like, oh, wow, here, here's what I did. And God, you worked in this situation, and it builds confidence. It moves the practice into our heart so that we become this person formed into the image of Christ. So ask and answer that question. And then number two, how did I seek God's kingdom or the work of God in and around me, whatever that may look like for you, and how did I live righteously this week? I would encourage you as a follower of Jesus, as an apprentice, take a few minutes and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Here's two questions. I'm going to write down a few thoughts. Put it into your phone, set an alarm, and just enjoy thinking about how you can practice single-mindedness and see how it's having an impact in your world. Let me just say, if you are in a place where you are struggling with your faith, like I'm just not sure, or maybe you see yourself walking away from the way of Jesus for whatever reason, if you are in a place where you are struggling, this practice could be the very thing that helps you miss Jesus the most. So be careful. Be careful. Because single-mindedness, coming before God and saying, I, I, I don't know what to do, so help me. And desiring the kingdom of God above everything else and living righteously. These are the things that could help us to come back to our great Savior. So if you're struggling, give it a shot, but just be careful. I want to review the big idea one more time. Living each day yielded or submitted to God's direction is a wise choice to make. May God give us all the courage and the capacity this week to make that choice and to keep making it as life happens and with all of our different roles and responsibilities that we may keep coming back to God and practicing single-mindedness so that it will indeed become the posture of our heart so that we can be fully formed into the image of our beloved Jesus Christ for the sake of others. May God help us to accomplish that. Father, we come to you and we're thankful for this time to consider the practice of single-mindedness God, this isn't something that makes a lot of the lists, but it does help us step into your presence. It does that. And it is something that believers have practiced from biblical times. And we see that with James' challenge to don't be double-souled 
practice single-mindedness. So God, I pray that you'd help me to do that this week, to not be scattered in my walk with you. And I pray that for everyone in the room. I pray that for everyone watching online, that we would be able to practice this and daily come to you and say, God, help me. I may not know what to do here, but help me. And God, I want to just desire your kingdom above everything else and live righteously. God, I pray that you'd help our church to have a marvelous week of practicing this and even coming to the end of the week and getting into this exercise and asking the questions so that we can review and get better at single-mindedness. Help us now to have a great week practicing this. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.